Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler. A lot to get into today on this Friday morning. News just broke that Jack Del Rio, former, now former defensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders, he was fired this morning, as was defensive backs coach Brent Wieselmeyer. It is a hell of a Friday to kick off the early portions of your weekend and the Thanksgiving holiday. Guys, 45-10 loss to the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving, national spotlight, not even close as you moved into that second half of the football game. Uh, embarrassing. Now, there's a lot to get into, specifically what we saw yesterday, the immediate future of this team, both on offense and defense. But now with Jack Del Rio gone, again, officially fired this morning, along with defensive backs coach Brent Wieselmeyer, they are both out. It's expected that Ron Rivera is going to coach the defense. Holy hell, right? Hold, uh, buckle your seatbelts for that, too. Because we got Miami coming into town. That by no means, that move is by no means is going to solve all of the issues for Washington. It is not. But it is a move to where, look, someone is trying to make some sort of changes for what we've seen all year long. A defense that was top 10 in a lot of categories last year. Top 5 in some. And since Jack Delrio was here, there were times to where you could say the defense kept Washington in football games. And that's what we expected over these heading into 2023, was that the defense was going to be able to keep Washington in football games and allow Sam Howell to score 20 to 25 points a game to keep them in position to challenge for a wild card spot in 2023. And it hasn't happened that way. Another embarrassing effort. On Thursday, prime time, to where in two prime time games this year, Washington has allowed 85 points. 85 points in two prime time games. You wonder why they don't play on prime time. Not only that they completely shit the bed in prime time, but it ain't even close, guys. It ain't even close. I would take the 20-10 to 10 ball game we were watching back and forth there as he moved into the second and third quarter. I would have taken that. The first half of Sam Howell was up and down, but it was good. The second half was not good. I'm going to read a stat for you guys, which is mind-boggling to me. Entering yesterday, NFL teams were a combined 57-0 and over the last 25 regular seasons, when having a game with 100 or more rushing yards, like Washington had yesterday, 200 or 50 or more passing yards, like Washington had yesterday, because Sam Howell threw for 300 yards, 35 minutes or more the time of possession, Washington had 36 minutes and 54 seconds of time of possession, no more than 25 penalty yards, and no more than one turnover. The Commanders did all of those things yesterday, and they still lost by 35. Think about that. There were moments yesterday to where Washington, from an execution standpoint, specifically on defense, excuse me, on offense, where they could have continued to drive down the field and try to get points. 
The short yardage situation stuff with Eric Bannemi, we can talk a lot about that. I'm not going to ignore it. Some of those play calls, shotgun on fourth and one, I get it. College, NFL, 90% of teams do it. You just rarely don't see quarterbacks under center anymore. Unless you're in Philadelphia and it's a short third, third and short or fourth and short and you're just QB sneaking it for a yard or two. Big boy football really doesn't exist in the NFL. And when you look at Washington's offensive line, they don't have big boys to displace people. So the run game really disappeared middle portions of the first half and into that the back half of the second half, not only because they were chasing the game, but because Washington's front five can't move anybody. They are not displacers of bodies along the front five. They are sealers along the front five. They are fire hydrants in pass pro. They just anchor their feet, not great laterally, try to keep the guy inside their hands, and that's it. But anybody with any sort of pass rush repertoire, ability to convert speed to power, anything like that forces Washington to move Sam Howell out of the pocket. And from Eric Bieniemy's perspective, tell Sam to look, if you can move to your left, to your right, you got to step up in the pocket and make throws and then not only just run, he's got to do that every damn week. Yesterday was abysmal. And what really upsets me, guys, too, and it's just embarrassing at this point, is following this football team to even when Ron was here in 2020 or the years prior when there were other coaches in town. Think back to Jay Gruden. I wasn't asking, nor has anybody ever asked this franchise to be a team that wins 10 plus games a year in the regular season or win four, five, six games in a row or go 6-0 in the division. But just staying competitive relative to what's around you in your division, because it is a tough division and really always has been, except for 2020 when Washington won the NFC East and went to the playoffs and, of course, lost to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. But it was a competitive ball game where really nobody gave Taylor Heineke a shot in that game at home against Tampa. But this organization is looked upon right now, again, as just the scum of the NFL. 4-8, 0-5 in the NFC East. Do they have a chance to go 0-6, winless, in the division? Who the hell knows who's going to be coaching or playing come later on in the season when they finish the year with Dallas? This is embarrassing. This was a franchise... To what that was consistently competitive for Super Bowls, division titles, NFC Championship appearances, and competitive in football games. But every single week, whether they kick off yesterday at 4.30 on a Thursday, or 1 o'clock on a Sunday, or 8.20 on a Sunday night, the expectations are in hell for this football team right now. They are in hell! I'm sure you guys saw the piece of Sean Taylor and his daughter speaking on him before the game yesterday. A beautiful piece done by CBS. It pumped me up. Made me excited about the ball game. The old days of We Want Dallas, RFK, the stands banging around. I have a, a memory of me when I was probably eight or nine at FedEx Field, standing there with my little sister, and she's screaming, Dallas sucks! That little stuff. 
Where is that anymore? It, uh, the rivalry is not there. 45-10. It used to mean something. It's so unfortunate. Even the little stuff yesterday. Dak Prescott's cadence. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. His cadence at the line of scrimmage pissed me off more than anything yesterday during Thanksgiving. Trying to make it a fun holiday, but the commanders just pissed me off, as they did to you guys. Three hours of bullshit. Three hours. Everybody's to blame. Now again, if you're joining late, you didn't listen to the beginning of the podcast, Jack Del Rio, defensive coordinator, and Brent Wieselmeyer, uh, corners coach, is out. They're out. So someone is trying to make some steps, which I appreciate. Because it's completely unacceptable. And frankly, the leash was too damn long in the first place. Because from week one to now, there was no progression from anybody, specifically in the secondary. There was no Emmanuel Forbes yesterday. Well, we saw Quan Martin running around. We saw Benjamin St. Just and Kendall Fuller missing tackles in the perimeter. Percy Butler continues to be, in my opinion, one of the top two DBs in the room alongside Cam Curl. I think he's been making some plays these last few weeks. What makes me laugh is David Mayo has two sacks against the Giants. He didn't even have one defensive snap yesterday. He has been Washington's best linebacker, and because Cody Barton was healthy, who, by the way, was underwhelming yesterday, and still continues to retreat in his run fits, which is pissing me the hell off, because if you want linebackers, you get after people. A-gap, B-gap, C-gap, you go after somebody. I'd rather see guys that are playing with their hair on fire right now and not always technically sound, but at least trying to make a play. I saw Khalid Hudson make a really nice play yesterday as the backside defensive, excuse me, backside linebacker on a toss play to the strong side of the formation. Who was on the strong side of the formation or on the opposite hash? That was Cody Barton. But Khalid Hudson's playing with instincts. He's playing with his eyes and made a nice play. I believe it was on Rico Dowdle or, or Tony Pollard, whoever the hell it was. Don't care. But it was a nice play from 47 on that play. The positives were extremely minimal from this defense yesterday. I thought Deron Payne continues to show up. I have no clue what the hell has happened to John Allen. I understand there's a lot of double teams. I understand there's a lot of that. But the effort, the willingness to continue to push the pocket on passing downs, even when he is double teamed, you'll see him sometimes drop down to a knee to anchor against those double teams. I get it. And the edge guys haven't helped him out that much either. But I saw a couple flashes from Andre Jones couple times. Overall, nothing. Nothing. Which raises the question towards this draft. How are they going to prioritize the edge spot? Because you'd think they're okay at D-tackle. With not just Allen and Payne, but you drafted Phil Mathis in the second round. Where the hell is he? You could tell me that. I, I don't know where Phil Mathis is. I guess he's just, he looks good in uniform. John Ridgway hasn't shown up for me the last few weeks either. Nobody. Then you take the step back to the linebackers, as I just mentioned. David Mayo plays well, then he doesn't earn a defensive snap. Oh, Cody Barton's back in. He's the guy we paid, so he's going to play. Jamin Davis has no clue what to do. No clue. He's just out there wearing number 52 and running around. In coverage, trying to fit the run. The edges of the defense yesterday were terrible, abysmal. It's not like Dallas ran for over 200 yards or anything like that. But they were just abysmal. Tony Pollard had 79 yards on 6.1 a pop. 
got in the end zone once. Longest carry was 27 yards. The willingness to tackle, the willingness to play physical, the effort, the execution. All the things we've talked about since week one were not there. So again, Del Rio is out. Wieselmeyer in the DBs, he's out. Somebody in those rooms has to step up. And now with Ron Rivera running the defense, I guess. Here comes Tua Tungavailoa, Tyree Kill, and Jalen Waddle. An extremely unique offense run by Mike McDaniel. Off of that Kyle Shanahan, San Francisco tree where they're extremely unique in what they want to do in the run game and in the passing game. And every single week we head into these games where we're now at this point, it's not just trying to hold them under 30. It's trying to hold under teams 50 every single week. Now, is there some hope in the back of my mind that Jack Del Rio is going to, or excuse me, Ron Rivera now is going to figure it out and get these guys to play? Guys, I don't, I don't think, hell no. That's what we've come to expect with Ron Rivera as the guy. I don't think Washington's defensive coordinator of the future is in the building. I don't know if Washington's head coach of the future is in the building. There's been some things floating around that some players wanted to see Ron Rivera take some powers away from Eric Bieniemy. To those players, I say you're soft. Because we know that Eric Bieniemy is the one guy that's coming over these last few years and gone after people. And wanted expect had an expectation for an offense that is talented. That has guys in the perimeter. Guys like Terry McLaurin that had 11 targets and only caught four yesterday for 50 yards. Jahan Dotson caught five of his six for 52 yards. And Curtis Samuel, who seemingly was the only guy that wanted to show up on offense yesterday, catching nine of his 12 targets for 100 yards. It was happy to see Curtis succeed yesterday. I'm happy for him. He had a nice day. But the positives were, again, extremely minimal. You guys wonder why Cole Turner, over these last two months of the season, can't get on the damn football field. Go back to a third and three, third and four, whatever it was in that second half, and Marquise Bell, their hybrid safety linebacker, undrafted from FAMU, who's turned into a really nice player for them, by the way, is impressed man, and Cole Turner, what, 6'6", 245? Marquise Bell, about 6'1", 6'2", about 215, 220? And Cole Turner can't get off the line of scrimmage. If you have followed the podcast of years back, when I've dove into Cole Turner's skill set coming out of Nevada, watching him at Nevada, watching him at the Senior Bowl, and projecting him to the NFL, he can't separate. He has never been able to separate. Oh, but but people wanted to tell you guys, catch radius, he's big. He can't get off the damn line of scrimmage. And the one time I saw him on the field yesterday running around, Again, could not separate against a guy that was four inches shorter and 50 pounds lighter. Nearly 50 pounds lighter. In that situation, you would like to see him blow Marquise Bell off the ball four or five yards downfield, and whatever route he's running, turn and present your hands to Sam Howell, whether he gets the ball or not. It, it, it just pisses me off. The little things about this team. Because what people are paying attention to are the wrong things. The Cole Turner stuff. Eric Bieniemy wanting more out of his players. Expecting what we expect from Deron Payne and John Allen, because it's not there. Jamin Davis as a first-round pick. Then you look on the outside, and we see Quan Martin one-on-one against CeeDee Lamb. 
Where's the help over the top? It's not there. It's the same shit that we talked about with Emmanuel Forbes against TJ Moore and AJ Brown and all the all the guys he faced this year in one-on-one scenarios. It's the same stuff that has been talked about a little bit and then kind of gone away and then talked about a little bit and then gone away. But it's important. And then now, in year four of a regime, now, Scott Turner, gone. Del Rio, gone. Who is that next step to go? That's Ron Rivera. Is there a reason that he's still in town? No, there's not. You're not going to get it from me. No. This is year four. The guys you drafted, the guys you signed in free agency, and the guys that you've traded for, if you did, these are your guys. In all phases of football, all three, right? Offense, defense, and special teams. These are your guys. In year four and eight, in year four. Not enough? Get the hell out. I don't want to hear the bullshit from ownership saying, ah, we're going to reevaluate at the end of the year. Okay, that may be pillow talk. That may just be smoke, smoke and mirrors. But what I see on the football field is a team with talent and a team that consistently has not been able to even execute the minimal portions of a football game to keep themselves in an NFL game against whoever you're playing. Because don't forget who this defense faced last week. It wasn't like, now we're heading into this week expecting Dallas to put up points at home. We talked about that. But they also allowed 31 to Tommy DeVito at home yesterday. Like, 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 like playing at FedEx Field means something in the grand scheme of things. But at the end of the day, when you still have Ron Rivera pushing the buttons and now full control of this defense, I mean, I don't know what to expect, guys. You're 4-8. You have a top 10 pick and you're only going to move up higher once these games finish on Sunday. May have the fifth or sixth by the end of the time on Sunday. Who knows? I don't want to look that far. But here we are another season to where we're not just chasing 500, guys. Washington right now would have to win their next four games to just get to 500. What we've expected from Ron Rivera. Chasing relevancy. Chasing mediocrity. How the hell is that acceptable? Marty Herney, Martin Mayhew, I'm looking at you. How is that acceptable? Because right now, when I look at Mayhew, Herney, and Rivera, it's a little bit of a bingo nightclub. We like to hang out with each other, and we have this work relationship where we expect something from our grown men in the building in Ashburn to where we hold them to an expectation, and they are they are grown men, and they got to show up because they're getting paid. Some more than others, but every week that's on them to prepare. That, that's what I think about Marty Herney, Martin Mayhew, and Ron Rivera right now. And I look across this league, and I see a lot of the young head coaches with some spunk, with some fire. You look at the earlier game on, on, on Thursday. The Lions didn't work out for them against the Green Bay Packers. But Dan Campbell's done a hell of a job for them. A young, fiery head coach that, that just works their ass off. Offense, defense, special teams. D'Amico Ryans, the job he's done in Houston as a defensive-minded head coach, as is Dan Campbell putting a fire into their guys. Because as sexy as offenses are in 2023, if you can hold a team under 23 a game, 20 a game, you're going to put yourself in a position to win. But the Ron Rivera standing on the sidelines, arms folded. I don't want to be a guy that looks into body language. I don't. But there is no emotion. There is no fire. When I look to the sideline and I'm out on the field and I see my, my coach consistently over there with his arms folded, what the hell does that tell me? No confidence in me. And why the hell do I want to be out here other than my individual willingness to succeed? 
chunk play after chunk play given up by this defense week after week after week. It didn't matter if it was Brandon Cooks yesterday, C.D. Lamb, Kevontae Turpin's touchdown. It didn't matter. I could have suited up. You could have suited up and run a go route for 40 yards, maybe give a little stick nod, get to the inside of the goalpost, and no one's going to be there. Percy Butler's going to be looking around. Cam Curling got a clue. Benjamin St. Juice is going to be over in the hot dog stand. And Kendall Fuller's probably going to be standing in the shallow areas of the offense, guarding the running back in the flat where David Mayo and, and Jamin Davis and Cody Barton are, are as well. Because there's no communication there. Nobody knows where their assignments are. Man, zone, who's blitzing? We think back to the New England game on the cross dog blitz. Jamin Davis doesn't fill the hole. It's Ramondre Stevenson, 64 yards out the back door. Nobody has a damn clue what the hell's going on. I continuously say it. There's names. There's talent. But the execution continues to lack, and it has lacked. So, again, Jack Del Rio, gone. I'm good. Bye. Don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. See ya. Go. Brent Fieselmeyer, DB's coach. See ya. Thanks for showing up and stealing a paycheck, if I'm the ownership. Thanks for stealing a paycheck, Brent. Get out. That's it. It's so frustrating, guys. This was an organization that once meant something to people. It rallied DC, the DMV. Rallied, you guys. It was enjoyable to watch. I mean, I'm not even going to take notes for games anymore to try to go into certain things that stood out and did not stand out where guys can improve on things. Even earlier in that ball game, Washington got to third and shorts on offense, something they had to do. The quick game was there. I loved it. They were very unique. Running it, RPOs, designated touches, screens, timing routes. That was there, especially in the first half. Very nice game plan by Eric Bieniemy. But I think back to the Deron Payne, offside on second and 25. How does that happen? You are a defensive tackle with the ball two feet in front of your face. There is no excuse to move. Watch the ball. It's unacceptable. Little shit like that. Second and 25 against an offense that can pick up chunk plays in a flash. And you jump offside with the ball in front of your damn face. Inexcusable. That's discipline. That's execution. That is practice. I don't care that you played at Bama. I don't care that you're a first round pick. I don't care that you got a sparkly new contract. I don't care that you're playing at an all pro level. Every day. There's an expectation because you're playing at that level and you are that type of athlete to where you can't make stupid-ass mistakes like that. Deron Payne, you can't. Simply cannot happen. Everybody knows the type of player that Deron is. But that type of crap cannot happen. Especially with the guys that that, that defense anchor off of. Offensively, from their perspective, I mentioned Curtis Samuel earlier. Heck of a game for Curtis. I was excited to see him run around. It's a good job from him. Intermediate areas. Washington lived in those crossers. Dallas plays a lot of man. The crossing routes were all over the field yesterday. Crossers, overs, replace routes, all those little, just all those concepts to get to get Dallas some sort of traffic. A lot of mesh, a lot of traffic concepts to where we line in bunch and force them to communicate, all that type of stuff. That was there yesterday. And I liked that. I like that game plan. You got athletes that can run, we'll force Dallas to run. I love Sam Howell's throw to Curtis on third and ten with guys in his face. Pretty throw. I didn't like him missing on the outside to Logan Thomas to the inside shoulder when he's late. Cannot be late to the outside. 
Those are mistakes and those little things he has to work on. The Deron Bland pick six. Not only that he picked the ball, then he makes three guys miss like they've never tackled anybody in their life. Was it Sam Bryan and somebody else over there? Logan Thomas or Antonio Gibson? Somebody was over there as well. Just running right through him. Or it might have been Terry. I think it was Terry. I mean, it's just everything that could have gone wrong yesterday, specifically in the second half, went wrong. It's a joke. So, all in all, guys, I, I hope you enjoy, you tried to enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday. Because we still have today and Saturday and Sunday. And then we get back to the swing of things on Monday morning. Now, Washington has almost a little bit of a mini-buy. Where, again, they don't play today. They don't play Saturday. They don't play Sunday. They don't play until a week from Sunday where they play the Miami Dolphins. And there's already been changes made. Good! But it's taken 12 weeks and year four of a regime. There has to be some sort of accountability held for the guys in charge that are making the decisions. Specifically for me, it starts at Ron Rivera. Was Eric Bieniemy perfect yesterday? Because he's the he's the lone coordinator, technically, still alive in Washington. Wasn't perfect yesterday, no. There are things to work on there. They have to score more than 10 points on, I believe, what, 75 offensive plays? It's flat out got to be better. That's an execution thing. That's taking advantage of third and shorts. If you're in a fourth and one, you don't need to go shotgun. I know it's pretty. I know it's sexy. That sequence of going to third and one, then taking a timeout, then coming back, then taking a deep shot down the field to Terry. You could have called a hold on Stephon Gilmore if you wanted to. I sometimes wish that, look, rarely say anything bad about Terry McLaurin, but you got to tell it like it is. I wish Terry caught more with his hands. He's a basket catcher a lot of the time. Extending his hands out, I don't see a lot, especially on deep, down-the-field, contested catch situations. He usually he can rise up, but he usually wants the ball to be funneled into his body. That's Terry McLaurin. Can't ask him to be perfect. He's a damn good wideout. We all understand that. But in those situations where you're fighting through the hands and the arm of Stephon Gilmore, reaching through and catching the ball out front and then trying to pull it in and tuck it, may have presented him an easier chance to reel that in. Overall, though, Stephon Gilmore wasn't flagged and his arm was in a perfect position to make a play on the football. But you take that deep shot there, then you come back on fourth and one and look like there was a mix-up and you're in shotgun and you lose two yards on fourth and one. That wasn't good. Because at that point, the defense had two stops in a row. So that's the offense got to get going there. There really wasn't much there. But again, with the run game, you have a front five that cannot push anybody. They're sealers. They're not displacers, guys. I want to make myself clear. They are sealers, not displacers. They are not relocators. They are not going to blow anybody off the ball. They want to anchor and pass pro and keep everybody inside their frame. That is Washington's front five as a whole. There were times yesterday where Sam Cosme at right guard looked like he had no damn clue how to even play the guard position, like he never played it before. Ugly. I'm tired of seeing Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, Chris Rodriguez going towards the ground, trying to get an extra two yards, and all the linemen just stand there standing at him. Get your big ass in the huddle and push somebody forward a yard or two. Act like you want to be there. Even if you don't, just try to be there, right? Just show up. Try to be some sort of physical. Because as a whole yesterday, in certain situations, Dallas whooped Washington's front five. It wasn't a dominant day for Micah Parsons or Demarcus Lawrence or Osa Digizua 
or Sam Williams. The only time I saw Sam Williams was a penalty on Jamison Crowder for the face mask on special teams. That's all I saw of Sam Williams. Dante Fowler as well. But overall, there's just a lot of negatives. Again, yesterday. But as we move forward, because this isn't the end of Washington's organization, week 12 and 2023, there's a long way to go. Long way to go. This organization started back in 1932. Here we are in 2023. Got a long way to go with this organization and what the immediate future is. What that is from a success standpoint, nobody knows. I wish I had a crystal ball next to me. I could tell you guys. I feel like we've been talking about the same things for not just since Ron Rivera came into town, but for the last 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. But a move today to fire Del Rio, get him out, and Wieselmeyer to get him out. That is some sort of change that we've expected that should have been made weeks ago and now trying to move into the back end of the season to where you're now looking towards 2024 and who's going to be here and who's not. I'm happy that the change was made. Again, even though it was too long. The leash was too damn long. There has to be a high level of accountability for an organization that has failed to reach relevancy for a long time. Not competing for a playoff spot. Not challenging for a division title or an NFC title. Because in year four of a regime, that's what you're usually expecting. Division title, see what you can do in your conference. Continuing to improve. And the improvement flat out has not been there. So at this point, Del Rio's gone. But Rivera is still there. And then now he is leading the defense. So we'll see what happens. I fully expect Ron Rivera not to be here. Moving forward. Into 2024 is what my long-term vision for this organization is. I expect Eric Bieniemy to be here. When I look at head coaches, is he going to be the head coach? We will see. From a defensive coordinator perspective, I want a young, physical, aggressive defensive coordinator. When I look across the league, as far as a guy that may stand out to me, I look yesterday. DB's coach for Dallas, Al Harris, has done a hell of a job with that unit. They lose Trayvon Diggs earlier in the year. They got a veteran, Stephon Gilmore, former fifth-round pick in Deron Bland. Has been fantastic this year, not just as a guy that's able to return the ball back after picking it off for a, a single season high with pick sixes. Unbelievable but also in coverage and in the run game and the communication that they have in the back end and the camaraderie that this Dallas secondary has had over these last two, three, four years, especially in the safeties room. The modification of guys' skill sets, like Marquise Bell, as safety at Florida A&M, now playing linebacker. So Al Harris, DB's coach for Dallas, if he's looking for a defensive coordinator job next year, now he may follow Dan Quinn, Dallas' defensive coordinator, who had head coaching interviews last year. If he goes somewhere to lead a team, he may want to bring out Harris. But everyone's trying to improve, right? Nobody ever thought that Eric Bieniemy was going to leave the hip pocket of Andy Reid in Kansas City. And he comes to Washington. Kansas City right now is challenging again for the AFC title and potential Super Bowl appearance. And Washington is right now looking at their plans for Cancun here in the next couple months and looking forward to the NFL draft, which we will get into here in just a couple of weeks. And really, we're going to talk about it in the bye week. We're going to talk about players that I feel that Washington could add on offense and defense that could make an immediate impact. Unlike what we've really seen from Washington's rookie class this year, where it's been null from the 2023 rookie class, except for a flash here or there. 
But if you're looking for defensive coordinator names for me early on for next year, I'm looking at Al Harris, DB's coach for the Dallas Cowboys right now. That's who I'm looking at. So that is going to do it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Tried to enjoy it. I know it's a frustrating day, but it is a Thanksgiving holiday, and I do hope you guys are enjoying time with family. It's always important right, to enjoy those times together, and we wish you know that Washington would have at least shown up yesterday and not asking for every game to win, just improvement and compete. And they're not even competing right now, guys. So I will have a podcast out for you as of now next Friday. So a little bit of a break to preview the Miami Dolphins. Offense, defense, special teams, how to do anything, right? To try to cover, if you will, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. You're not going to stop them. The only way you can do is limit them. That's the best way to prepare for those guys. This secondary, another huge test, bottom line. But this is the NFL. I'm not going to say, oh, we have to face them now. We have to face them now. Welcome to the NFL. Not the easiest schedule in the world. And we still got to play the Rams. And we still got to play Dallas again. And you still got to play San Francisco with all of their talents. So there's a long way to go here. And now it's about not competing for playoffs. It's about who's going to show up and who wants to be here in the future. Cam Curl, does he want to be here? Does he want to get paid and be a potential top 10 paid safety in football like we've seen him play? I love Cam Curl. You guys love Cam Curl. But those types of guys have to show up. Do they want to be here moving forward? Guys like Jamin Davis, Benjamin St. Juiced, Sam Cosme, the tight ends room, all of those guys. Antonio Gibson. Guys that I think need to show up more than what we've seen. This is where these next few weeks, we're going to see who wants to play and who doesn't. Who's going to play for Ron Rivera, however long he is. If, if Miami's his last game, hell, if this game against Dallas was his last game. Maybe we hear in a couple days that Ron leaves. Who knows? Is Ron's game last against the Rams or the Niners? Or is he here until the end of the year, like we heard this week, that ownership is trying to pull that evaluation period back, right? Get a 10,000 foot view of everything and then make a decision. Who knows? But now it's, we're going to see who wants to show up and who doesn't? Who wants to play ball? And who doesn't? Four wins in 12 weeks. No wins in five division matchups. The defensive coordinator is now gone. Your DB's coach is now gone. Starting to clean house a little bit. But who is going to show up at the end of the day and strap up and play football? So, as always, appreciate you guys. You can find this podcast on all podcast platforms. I'm on Twitter, if you don't follow me there already, at underscore Ryan Fowler. All my written work is housed at Bleacher Report and the Draft Network, where more audio and video content is also housed. So appreciate you guys. As always, I will talk to you next Friday. I'm Ryan Fowler. Enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday. And this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.